This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yo, and welcome to the 59th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp, and I'm joined today by two very special temporary guest hosts, both joining us for the first time. First off, we have Kevin Krieger, Hi. and we have Mike Morton. Hello. We got a very special episode for you today with New Jersey regionals coming up. I decided to ask two people who did very well in Indy and who are going to New Jersey. What do they think? What are they going to play? What's it going to look like? You know, all the stuff that we all want to know. So as you're listening to this a couple days before the tournament starts, maybe you're listening to it on the drive to the tournament. You can kind of play through all the stuff in your head. What are some other top players thinking? So our plan is we're going to talk about the expected decks. What do we expect to see a lot of, a little of, what's going to be on the rise, what's going to be on the fall, etc. Any techs? that we think are going to be good are you still teching for blank are you still not teching for blank what are you taking out what are you adding and then we'll get into some questions from twitch chat as always we are live on twitch.tv slash mellow underscore magic so something that i have to get better at because several of you have asked me about it is actually having our guests kind of talk about their pokemon selves in addition to other things so kevin we're going to start with you can you give us a little bit about uh how long you've been playing and a couple of your accomplishments Sure. So uh, I started about four years ago now, I guess, playing competitively. Uh, I played PTCGO for a couple years on and off before that. Uh, when I was in medical school, uh, it was just something completely not related to studying, which was fantastic. Um, and once I realized there were real tournaments, and I'm a very competitive person, so I figured I should start going to some. I'd go to a regional or th- three per year for my first couple years, so I wasn't chasing an invite or anything. Uh, it's it's hard to travel when you're in medical school, but um, schedules opened up a bit since then, uh, finishing training and all that. So last year, I guess 2020 season before it shut down, uh, I made championship points at my first three regionals I went to. And I figured, well, I've got over 100 points already. Why not go for a world's invite? So I started actually trying at Cups and um, got up to 310 points before the... Uh, pandemic shut everything down uh, and i still had four cut placements and like seven challenge placements so i, I was like oh i got this in the bag um, and then the pandemic hits of course so everything's different um turns out i'm pretty good at playing online because it's easy to check prizes and when you have open deck lists um i think my brain's just really good at like analyzing what possible plays my opponent has um, and so for all of those tournaments, I did pretty well. I won uh, Limitless Invitational in 2020, which is kind of the first big online series after um, everything had shut down. Uh, so that was pretty fun and uh, still enjoyed the game, really, despite the lack of IRL events um, and just getting back into it now. Uh, I went 5-3-1 in Frankfurt. It was an awesome trip. Uh, just missed out on CP, which is frustrating since I need 100 more uh, points now you know for the invite and i can't get the rest of those uh, cup placements but uh indianapolis went super well which was great i finally had a good day two uh i made three day twos before at major events irl and 
every time I just brick or my deck was not that great. And um, I just had never gone over like 500 on day two. There's no free wins in day two, you know, it's, it's <laughs> tough out there. So uh, to have, uh, you know, a rogue-ish deck work in indie was really validating. Um, and I had kind of a flow day two also, like I was just in the zone focused. Um, you know, not distracted. I didn't get a single uh, prize penalty all tournament, which is also a first for me. I tend to space out uh, playing IRL and, and make mistakes. It's, it's so much harder. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a quick recap of the last couple of years. Uh, so hoping to get uh, some more CP here so that I can just get like top 128 at NAIC and finish off the invite. That's the game plan anyway. And real quick off of that, what was that rogue deck for anyone who might not know? Oh, Arceus Corviknight VMAX. Um, it had a 1-1 a one, one Bavaro line just to help draw a little bit, but mostly the engine is for Professor's Research um, and two Crobat. So you just draw lots of cards and play 13 energies, so it's really easy to attach to an Arceus. Uh, and then three bosses orders, so you can get ahead and stay ahead. Uh, and the nice thing about a deck like that is if you fall behind, you don't play any combat cards, so you just scoop and try to win two out of three. <laughs> it takes a, a mental load off of, like... How do I come back? And you think of all the cards in your deck, like, oh, there's no way. Okay, next game. <laughs> all so gas, no breaks. It's a good deck in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Mike, what about you? How long have you been playing? Some accomplishments and anything else you want to throw in there? Oh man, um, I've been playing for five years now. Uh, we started, I believe, right after uh, Diego Casiraga won Worlds. Um, I mean, we were playing like. Barely, like prior to then, but that's when we got started. Me and Jalen um, played a couple of regionals, uh, top four Santa Clara 2019. Or well, technically it was 2018, but it was prior, but it was during 2019. Um, you probably see me get a slew of day twos. Um, then this year is uh, my last run for Worlds. I got other stuff to do. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this one, but I remember it was, let's say Daytona, something in Florida, I want to say. You were on stream with Malamar, and you yeah. had two fairy energies and a fairy Mimikyu for the ADP matchup. And my testing partner, who has been testing it at that point for most of the format or whatever, he like a while, and I kept telling him, no, this sucks. And he sees it on stream and texts me in all caps, who did you leak it to? Why would you do this? <laughs> So you upset at least one person with that. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Because you won't believe how that deck was created. Okay. So literally, I think like this this is um I don't remember the timeline, so God forbid I remember when it doesn't matter. So <laughs> Mew3 had just won a regional mm -hmm. and the guy didn't play weakness guard energy. And Jeff Chris had just done well at Knoxville with Pidgey Blounds. And Malamar destroys Pidgey Blounds and Mew3 without uh, Weakness Guard. So the only matchup you didn't win was ADP. And people knew that Malamar played... Um, uh, it was the Latios, right? The... Not the Latios, it was the... The ghost Pikachu looking Mimikyu. Mimikyu yeah. Either they played Mimikyu, but they didn't think about but most people would rather play the regular Mimikyu to copy something. And I was like, isn't there a fairy like 
same thing. And ADP was weak to fairy. So <laughs> <laughs> only one person that I know played ADP that tournament that I played, and that was Sander Perel. And he got second. And I played him around three of day one that tournament, and I lost. <laughs> So it didn't do any good. Nope. And he was the only person I lost to that day. <laughs> so the fairies didn't even do anything. Not at all. Oh or else I was one. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Literally the only person in the room that I text for came through and bodied me. <laughs> so I think that's a good time to get into then. Let's talk about text for the next regional because uh that will happen. Occasionally, you'll get in there and you're like, well, my tech worked. It didn't work. It was useless, etc." So I want to start here. I think the biggest thing was Urshifu at Indy was absolutely hate teched out of everything, it seemed like. So we'll start there. And uh, Mike, let's go ahead and start with you. Are you think, do you think people are still going to keep Dunsparce, Manaphy, and Hoopa? Or are you going to throw Manaphy in random decks? Or are people going to be taking their Urshifu techs out? So I want to I want to kick back to the first comment like about how Urshi was hate tech. I don't think that it was particularly hate teched against. I think people fear teched against Urshi because they were expecting it, but there was barely any Urshi at the entire tournament. And I think there was like one in day two. So I don't I also think that out of the people who play Urshi, there's very few great players who play the deck so i wouldn't be scared to enough to tech against it that hard kevin what do you think yeah so uh i think that one of the problems with urshi is that there are techs against it just like in the format and they make a big difference so um you know not being one shot by the Gale Thrust is a big deal, and uh, not being able to snipe is a big deal, and the Hoopa V, if you get set it up before they can hit it, um, it's really difficult for them to deal with because they can't really one-shot it in the early game at all. So just the fact that all those exist make Urshi harder to play. Um, and in the hands of a good player, I think it's fine, um, but it uh, wasn't played by like the top-tier players that brought it to... EUIC, they decided not to bring it to Indy. Um, and so I think the Urshi that was there either wasn't skillful enough or weren't prepared to deal with the counters, and that's why I didn't do well. Um, I, I wish I could play the deck because I think it's really good and it's in a better spot now that it just did bad. Um, but I think that just the fact that the techs exist um, probably scared the top tier of players away from playing it, uh, and that's the biggest factor in why it, it didn't do well. So you're both kind of heading in the same direction of like, Urshi isn't scary at all unless it's played by a very skilled pilot. Yeah. I mean, the deck has like 20 one-ups and like <laughs> half of one-ups are supporters. So me being, I don't even think I'm one of the most skillful players in the game. Like if I pick it up and I think I made a good play, Somebody's going to be looking over my shoulder like, look at this guy. He made a terrible play. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to be sitting here hoping that, that what I did was correct. I don't think there's a wrong or right play to make when you get into like the real setup of the Urshi deck. 
And I think that's where your very skilled players and your very good players differ from your mediocre to bad players. Not even bad. They're amateur. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I mean, that is a better way to put it, though. I would agree. So does that mean... Well, if bad Pokemon players, you're all cool. So, <laughs> Unless you steal. <laughs> then you're... Don't do that. I think one of my one of my skills as a player is just recognizing like I'm not the tippy top tier like in game strategist. So I pick decks that work with like what I'm capable of and that's an important skill to have. Um and yeah, it's not rocket science to players foo, like you've got, you know, a couple different lines to choose from, but I do feel like it's the kind of deck I wouldn't be able to play optimally unless I put a couple of hundred games into it. Uh and I'm just sort of too far gone in this format to do that. Um, and so I'd rather just play something else, but, uh, it's a great deck and I think it will be teched for less. So if it's kind of your thing and you're already invested in the deck, I really think it's a good, a good play for New Jersey. So I guess a simple yes or no. If your goal is to make day two and your goal is to make top cut, are you teching for Urshi? So if your goal is day two, are you teching? And if you're trying to make top cut, are you teching? Kevin starts off. Ooh, that's a really good question, because uh, that's another thing I think is not talked about enough, is setting goals for what's reasonable for you to achieve. Um, and, you know, your decision-making and deck-building should be a lot different if you're trying to win the tournament or if you're trying to get points or if you're trying to make day two. Like, those are all different questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so meta discussion should take that into account, you know, what your goals are. I think that uh, if you're going to make day two... You don't need to tech for Urshi. There's not going to be enough of it around. Um, but I do expect it to make a bit of a comeback. And if you're going to try to win in day two, you need to have some answer for it. So depending on your deck, you know, either the Hoopa V or um, the Mana V, uh, I think will be important for like advancing through day two. Because I wouldn't be surprised to hit a couple at those kind of top tables. Um, and if you don't have a tech for it and you're facing a good player, the deck beats everything. Like <laughs> it, it just it, does. Cause it, it, it's weak to psychic. Oh no. Well, you play the dark package for Mew. Like I guess it loses to Sylveon VMAX, but that deck's bad. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to Sylveon a little later. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> we, can, we can leave that card in the dust. That's uh, so let's get to Mike's thing for Mike. Do you agree? Disagree on the day two versus top cut? So I think I don't think that you need to tech for Urshi if you're going for a top cut because at that point you've already played so many times against the deck that you know what your deck is supposed to do or whether you can win or not. So it you've made your decision at that point. But if you want to make day two, I don't think you tech for it at all. Because I don't think that would be enough Urshi food for you to be afraid of. But I mean I also don't think Manaphy beats Urshifu. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, they literally just um I'm gonna yoga loop your guy and you're just like and you're gonna kill my Arceus too. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things where a single mana feed doesn't win the matchup. If you're playing scoop up nets, you can clean it off. Sometimes it's pretty good there, you know. There's like other stuff where you have the Dunsparce, the Hoopa, but it is not an auto win. I remember, bro, y'all played too. 
oh, Unbroken Bond's Mew for the Urshifu match. And it was like, no. Then I just lose faster because the Yoga Loop. It. Like, that was a terrible tech. Manaphy is an acceptable tech, but not an <laughs> auto-win inclusion. Yeah, they have Zigzagoon for that now. <laughs> uh, what about teching for Arceus decks? Now, this is going to be very vague, of course. <laughs> but uh, if you're going, are you teching for Arceus? And if you are, how? Because I don't know how. And you can I mean, you can differentiate the Arceus's if you want, but Mike starts off. I mean, are you attacking for Arceus by like playing like a like a what is that card that's from the old set? If you play it or if you have it in your opening hand, you can go first. Oh, the Sableye. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there is an item card. Oh. There was an item card. It was like Train Pass or something like that. Yeah, that's the that's the only tech. <laughs> If you go first every time, you can beat Arceus. <laughs> so you're saying impossible to tech for. You got you got to literally cheat to. I mean, low key, you got to go expanded to beat Arceus. <laughs> I mean, but no, no. I mean, at, it, it really depends on the builds of Arceus. Like neither Arceus deck can really tech for each other. It just depends on how aggressive either person wants to get and i think the person who can be aggressive and play defensive will win the matchup i think it's a test of mindset not a test of actual skill i mean excuse me cards that are drawn <laughs> kevin do you agree uh i think it is worth teching for i expect it to be roughly 50 percent of the field honestly if you add them all up um, so if you're not teching for it, I think you're metagaming incorrectly. Uh, but the difficulty is how, how do you tech for it, right? So my strategy in indie, which worked okay, is, well, we'll do enough damage that we'll always be knocking things out, and then they won't be able to Charon's loop us. Um, which, that strategy works incredibly well if you go first, but if you don't go first, it's a lot less impressive, because <laughs> they can big charm, and they can, you know, put damage all over your board, and you don't have any healing cards for Corviknight, so it's like... Uh, Okay, we'll go to the next game. And I think I ended up 3-3-1, which, you know, considering my deck was kind of maximum consistency, you know, lots of dark stuff to beat Mew. Um, if you consider my 10-3-1, or 10-3-2 record overall, and I went 3-3-1 against Ar in Arceus Mirrors, which, like, it's about what you expect, but I was 7-0-1 against literally any other deck. Um, so I could I have teched harder for it? Maybe. Um, but that would come at the cost of other matchups, almost certainly. Um, I'd say something to think about. Uh, back when I was trying to play Malamar VMAX, which does not do very much damage, so I'm not a fan. Uh, playing Crushing Hammers actually helps the most. Um, if you have I'm going to have to ask you to leave it. the pod. I hate it, and I don't <laughs> recommend it, and I'm not going to do it, because I won't. But... Um, if your deck has space for it, the hammers do actually help because the times you go second, if you can just hammer off their one energy after a you know research and a crowbat, then it's almost like you get to go first. So how many times have you played Crushing Hammer at a regional? No, I don't play it. <laughs> I have played right. Crushing Hammer at a regional. I will say you're that. looking you were looking real sus, man. <laughs> no, nah, don't do it, man. I don't do it. What about uh, teching for Mew? Is this finally the time where we take out our 20-card packages of Baby Moltres, Clara, Path of the Peak, 
or whatever the techs are, or are you still worried about MuV Max? Forever worried about MuV Max. It's literally, it's literally the bane of the format. Literally, it would, if it would go away, I I don't even know what would replace it. It would just, just be a chasm. <laughs> but forever tagging for Mew because they they win every game if you don't. You have to stop them. <laughs> Only you can stop Mew V Max. Only you can save the universe from Mew V. <laughs> well, the deck's literally like not fair. Like <laughs> quite literally. You're you're playing Pokemon and they're playing something completely different. It's not a it's not a Pokemon deck. It's it's something else. You know, I play on PTCGO and it's like their turn one and somehow they've got six Pokemon on the board, three energies and 27 cards in their deck and they're doing 240 damage <laughs> on the first turn of the game. Like, and if you build your deck right, you can still win that and come back. It's not terribly difficult, but if you don't build your deck to counter that, you don't beat it and you're going to face three. It's like three losses. Like you can't, you can't not tech for it. You need a game plan like, I, I would not bring a deck that's less than 50-50 against Mew. Facts. Personal, to, personal to, preference. To yeah. piggyback on what he said, bro, I wanted to play Ice Rider VMAX at Indy. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can beat Mew. I was playtesting against Aaron Rucker. He rolls seven heads on Kramomatic <laughs> and absolutely destroys me. And I was just like, if this is what day one will be like, I cannot play this deck. <laughs> and day one, I played five Mews and four Arceus. There was no way I was going 0-5 at Indy Regionals, bro. <laughs> I, I, yeah, keep the Mew Texan. It feels like a question that has to be asked, because every yeah, once in a while it's like, oh, where's all the Mew at? And it's like, well... Because we are keeping it down. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to be like Seattle Regionals all over again. You're going to go to the Limitless pages of Genesect all the way down. What about other techs? Are you going to throw in... Uh, I'm just going to throw some out there, and you can run with whatever you want, but are you throwing in extra basic energies for Whimsicott still? Are you throwing a Tool Scrapper or Tool Jammer? If you're Mew, are you putting a big Parasol for the Drill? Are any of these going to actually be cards Bro. that you would play or you're leaking i already leaked on celia's <laughs> meta discussions you're i'll take that as a yes for the big parasol <laughs> yeah he's leaking right now bro literally i was i was playing um the hexter regional on saturday I put a big parasol in my list because I thought that there was going to be a lot of B decks. There was, and B got farmed. I was, <laughs> I was three zero in the tournament, and I dropped because I had to go do something. But then it got canceled. But you're a leak, bro. Who told you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're pro big parasol, clearly. Um. I'm not going to say that I'm pro Big Parasol. I'm just saying that I'm not anti Big Parasol. What about while we're on Mew? Basic energies for Whimsicott, or is Whimsicott just a bad meme? That's is it for me? Or well, we'll stick with you right now, and then we'll go to Kevin's thoughts on both of those. So I don't think Whimsicott was a meme. I just don't think that the people who are picking it up are drawing very well. 
it is a much scarier deck in the hands of someone like Frank Persick versus some random person who is high rolling the crushing hammers. That is for sure. For sure. Kevin, what about your thoughts? Are there any texts out there that are just other stuff or like the Whimsicott, the Beedrill, the anything else that you're like, oh, this is potentially a good idea? Uh, I've kind of been steering away from texts, which is not how most people are playing Arceus. Um, but I think lots of energy is just always good to have with Arceus because you always want to attach it and you want to be able to power up multiple attackers with your Trinity Novas. Um, so I'm a big fan of lots of energy just, just to have it. And then for the research heavy engine, you really need the ordinary rod because you just have to discard attackers too often. Uh, and then you have to get just you just have to get stuff back. Uh, so coincidentally, that counters uh, Whimsicott, just like coincidentally, Corviknight VMAX counters Whimsicott uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, so it is a good deck. I think it actually has a higher skill ceiling than most people give it credit for because the people who've done well with it are, are very good players. Frank, um, Riley Holbert got top 16 uh, at Indy and then uh, Alessandro won the, the European regional um, all, you know, top tier players. And, and so the, the deck has legs and it's something you should think about or worry about. Like I wouldn't cut the basic energy out of Mew lists if I was a Mew player. Um, like you should have a game plan against it, but it's not going to be something you probably face multiples of. So it's okay. If you have a hard L to it, you could just lose uh, that match and, you know, you could still do fine in the tournament. Doing the interview with Frank on Whimsicott definitely sold me on the deck and playing the deck. It does several things very well. Some of them are cheesing your opponents. You play four <laughs> Marnies, Path of the Peak, Crushing Hammer, and Fan. I don't want to discount those win conditions because those are very viable win conditions in this format. But a lot of the skill comes from the, am I using Trick Wind or am I using Fluffball Star? Because when you yeah. use that Fluffball Star, which is a ridiculously good V-Star attack, is going to be the make or break of the game. Because if you Fluffball Star, give them, a, you know, uh, what's it called? Energies back and tools back. Did that lose you the game? Like I've hit people on ladder before where they Fluffball Star. And it's like, well, now I have Choice Band. So now I can actually KO you because I was on 220 for my Moltres, but now you're giving me choice belt for the 250. So that was not the correct play. You know, it's like the little things of where does the skill come into play? Knowing when to break the lock is actually really big because Fluffball Star is a disgustingly good attack. Uh, one more note on text for that. Um, something I thought about for Indy, and I don't think it's super important now, but if you want to tech against hammers, you can play, uh, and you're already playing dark stuff, you do Moltres V to get the energy back and then energy switch to move it on to your Arceus and you can uh, starburst for that one of energy switch. Um, so that's a reliable way around hammers. If you expect Arceus players to tech for the mirror with hammers, that's worth a consideration. Or if you think Wimscott's going to spike up for some reason, or you just don't want to lose to it. Sometimes people say, this, I just don't want to lose to this deck, which is fine because I agree it's a deck I hate losing to, but um it's uh, th those, those would be the ways to counter for it if you want to tech for it. Where is Arceus fitting room for Crushing Hammer? Uh, Malamar VMAX does, they need to because they don't do any damage. <laughs> Bro, it's, it's a good deck, I, but uh, you have to disrupt it. Good, Mally, yes, really. It got top 16. Piper did very well with it in a UIC, too. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about Mally VMAX then. Is that a real deck, or is it just bad Arceus? I think 
I think it's bad Arceus. You're preying on the fact that your opponent doesn't draw two good cards in their hand. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that their deck is full of good cards or else they wouldn't play them. So... <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm coming for whomever plays this deck, but like, you're not playing on the skill that you can actually beat your opponent. You're playing on the fact that you can cheese them. And I mean, don't get it messed up. That's like, if that's fun for you, then that's how you want to play Pokemon. But like, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that. I'm not going to say that you're a better Pokemon player than me if you cheesed me out of a win, dog. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to, I hit Shane Clint in, what's it called? Salt Lake City. And that was the exact reaction every time he used Max Jammer. And it was just looking at two good cards. It's like, oh, you have Level Ball and Evo Incense? And it was like, uh, I don't know. That one, I guess. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, I'm doing 180 damage with a three-prizer into the Inteleon engine. So it's definitely... Can be a field bad. The, the best players are trying to eliminate the luck factor from the game. Why would you add more luck factor to the game that you're trying to win? So we're going back to Kevin's, I'm just teching consistency. Yeah. So Mel, Melmer's, I, I'm not that negative on it. It's it's a real deck. It has a win condition. I think where it runs into problems is um, against the Inteleon engine specifically. Uh, you know, we, we actually tested this a lot, me and my friends. And um, at least Dan and I, we found the, with the Inteleon engine, like they draw out of it more times than not. Even if you jam or something and their hand's like dead, they've got like 20 outs to draw a card. So even if they only have one good card off the jammer, they still have like a 50-50 shot of top decking out of it. Um, and so it's not reliable in that matchup. And a lot of decks are playing the Inteleon engine, which makes it just a, l- a little bit of a feels bad. Um, but the crushing hammers are really good against Arceus to like maintain tempo in your own way. And it's, it's an oppressive deck. Uh, and it can definitely, you want to call it cheesing wins, but it's it's winning the game. Uh, and in best two out of three, uh, if they don't play like heavy Barrel engine or the Inteleon engine, right, then the Max Jammer attack is, you know, situationally can be very good. The other thing, reason to play the deck is it literally has the best Mew matchup of any deck. Um, I, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, it's so favorable. They are not built to handle marnie path jammer ever um <laughs> if they play pump kaboo maybe it's winnable for them but they still have to draw hot off that marsh even if you wrote them phone a stadium to the top you just jammer that away so they'd have to hit two stadium outs out of four cards it's just it's so favorable so if you don't want to lose to mew it's the deck to play and then the other matchups you have to you know finesse it if you want to call it skill but yeah it, it's hammers and and bricking people that's what it does but it it can do that consistently enough it's made it to every major event like in this format um i think multiples actually so uh it, yeah if, if you want to play it and not lose to mew i think that's the reason to play it that's fair yeah. let's talk a little bit about the expected meta so you're going into Salt Lake City. No, no, no. Why did I say Salt Lake City? You're going into New Jersey. 
Okay. What are the top decks you're expecting to hit? Let's go day one only. If you want to go into day two, you can, but let's focus on the day one. You know, we got to get past that before anything else. What are you expecting to hit? How many are you expecting to hit? Are you expecting to hit like nine Arceus and Teleons? Are you expecting to hit like nine Mews? You know, anywhere in between there. So Mike, why don't you start us off? What are those top, like, let's say about three decks that you'd expect to be hitting and in what kind of numbers? So I think, like, are we getting into like the nitty gritty of Arceus variants? That is 100% up to you. So <clears throat> I would expect to play at this event no less than three means on day one. I'm probably going to play against two Arceus B drills. And I will probably play against maybe an Ershi. Maybe we're going to kick it up to four Mew. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm down to split four Mew, four Arceus variants, and an Urshi. Wow, so you're like only prepping for two matchups, essentially. You're like, these are the two I need to be ready for. Essentially. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Uh, I guess I'll give like a range on mine. I think it'll be like four to five Arceus decks, and I'll just lump them all together because um, that's easier. Say two to three Mew decks. That gets us up to seven or eight, and then one to two other, which will be either Suicune or Rapid Strike Malamar or Wimscott or Urshifu, like two of those combined. Do you think this changes after you make day two? Like, are you expecting the conversion rate to match about that expected meta share? Or are you expecting, like, oh, I think some decks are going to be better played, and I think the day two meta might be a little different? Or you just expect better players, same decks on day two? Uh, Kevin, let's start with you on that one. Uh, that's always a good question. I don't think I have enough experience in day twos. Like, I've heard as we'll talk about, you know, countering the day two meta. and I, it's just beyond me. It's either a lack of experience or my brain just doesn't work that way. If there's just, there's so many unpredictable factors. And I guess if your goal is to win the tournament, I think it's important to try to decide, oh, the top players are bringing this and I need to beat them to win the tournament. So I'm going to pick a deck or use my tech slots to win those matchups against top players. Um, I, I don't expect to get there, so I just want to play a good deck that can reliably do well. And I think, on average, the metas are going to be similar, uh, especially in a, like an established format, because that's another consideration, too. Early on in the format, things are less settled, and there might be a new surprise deck that like way outperforms other stuff, and you can't really account for that. So going for consistency, playing the established best deck in format, or... Um, you know, just trying to have the best deck in a vacuum makes more sense early format because there's more randomness around. Uh, later in the format, like now, things are pretty well settled, and I think that that's pretty predictable as far as the meta, um, that, you know, you're not going to have a big unexpected swing. So if 70 to 80% of the decks in the room are Arceus decks in Mew, which I don't think is actually too unreasonable to expect probably would be about the same uh ratios going into day two and the better players will kind of rise to the top on average agree disagree mike 
Oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> My bad. I didn't know you want me to elaborate. No, that's 100% up to you. If you're going to co-sign it all, then that's fine, too. No, nah, I mean, he, he bowed out all the bells and whistles and the pie charts, bro. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit B. <laughs> you can edit it. Edit, edit. <laughs> So to go off of the the last little bit on the expected meta, the Arceus variants, I would agree. I think Arceus is going to be played in like ridiculously high numbers, but they become very, very, very different. So Mike, you said you immediately said two Arceus Beedrills. So let's go between the Water Arceus, Arceus Beedrill, Dark Arceus, and the more aggressive B Barrel builds, whatever that is, whether it's Corviknight, Lucario, who cares? Something else with B Barrel. Between those four, do you think there's a noticeable difference between? Are you expecting a noticeable difference between any of those four? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> the the point of Pokemon is to have fun. <laughs> and if you're winning, it only helps, right? So the thing is that a lot of people watch that game where Isaiah lost to Ian. And Isaiah looked like he was having so much fun. Like, it was ridiculous. He, <laughs> like, he was, it didn't matter whether he was winning or losing. The kid was having fun. The deck looked fun. So people are always, like, a lot of the times people don't always want to play the winning list. But they want to play, like, something from the top eight. Like, more, more or less, you're going to get more people picking decks from the top eight. Maybe not the winning list. Because obviously you don't want to play the same deck that just won a tournament at the next tournament. <laughs> so... <laughs> You're, you're more along the lines of doing something you think is different from the norm or so on and so forth. And I think that that deck is the pet deck people are going to try to play next. If of any RC's variant, I'm also pretty sure it's the cheapest one. <laughs> Archie's Ace in the Hole is one of the most fun supporters I've ever used and one of the most enjoyable decks on turn one. After turn one, I hated that deck because you said attack, attack, attack. But basically, getting the Archies, getting the Maxis, getting the B drill is very enjoyable. But when they realize how hard it is sometimes, or how you, if you, you, you found the sinister person when they figure out that it's easy and they just want to keep doing it over and over again, they're insane. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> for those people who don't figure it out, you're not bad. You're just not there yet. <laughs> it's a good skill to learn too. I learned so much sequencing by just playing expanded Archie's Blastoise for a while. Oh, for sure. I I never enjoyed trying to sequence that. I, <laughs> I, I I think I've tried to build Archie's like once in my career. Oh, the only time I brought to a tournament, it was miserable. But it was for testing too. It wasn't even the point. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, what about you? For those four major. Arceus variants, Beedrill, Dark, Water, and aggressive B-Barrel builds. Which ones do you think are going to be like the most popular, or do you think they're all going to be about equal? I think the um, straight Water Arceus, uh, like the one that won Sao Paulo or um, Pablo Mesa's top eight list, I think those are on the decline um, just because they don't do anything exciting. I do think they're still good. The Mew matchup is sketchy if they play Echoing Horn, which I think they should be. Um, you're really relying on, on path sticking. So um, 
if you're okay, if you think Mew's going down in play and you just want a solid deck, it's still very good, but it's not going to see as much play because it, as I talk to people and play games on the ladder, it seems like the more aggressive builds are building up a little bit of hype and the dark stuff um, like and with Inteleon is a thing now. That's maybe the more standard version of Arceus Inteleon. And then you still have the bird box options as well, like the winning list. Um, and they're all good, but I think the only one that's really going down in play is the straight boring one. Um, and the other ones will be, I don't know, the aggressive version will be a little less because it hasn't had any big finishes other than the Lucario winning last weekend. Um, but I, I just don't think it it's quite caught on with the general player base. Yeah. So I put those two, like Water Aggressive and then Bird Box, and then Most Played would probably be the Inteleon Dark. That's pretty speculative, though. Oh, I ignored Beedrill, too. There's, so, there's, too, there's too many, man. <laughs> It's, it's too many to keep track of. Yes, yes, you'll face Arceus. That's that's the the takeaway. <laughs> Just be prepared for all of them. Your match. I mean, your your game plan doesn't change a ton between them. Like the games do play out kind of similarly. So I think it's more in like as a pilot, you should pick something that works well with what you want to accomplish and how you want to play the game. And as long as you can do that competently, they're all good. That's yes. always good advice. Yeah. <laughs> The funny thing is, I did actually play two RCSB drills on over the tournament at the at Indy. I played Raul on day two, and I played someone that was playing Sylveon, Zapdos, and some other stuff with B drill in their deck. So, so I assume Beedrill, you lost to that one. I did not. <laughs> I I I won that game very easily. It's it's almost like if you try to do everything, you end up doing nothing sometimes. <laughs> that's exactly it. This guy. <laughs> that, that's just what you call Sylveon as a deck, though. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good in theory, man. It's so good in theory. I Bro was like, Bro's deck was just like, you know what? If I drop everything from my binder, I could be everything at this field. <laughs> <laughs> like one of every type. It's amazing. <laughs> Sylveon's going to hit for 250. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into some questions from Twitch chat. Uh, the first one comes from Blake. So the question is, why is nobody talking about Arceus with Waylord V? And I'm going to reword this question into, do you expect any crazy Arceus decks to make their appearance in like let's say top 16 or do you think by now it's all the straightforward like we figured out what the good cards are and there's going to be no waylord no corvanite no anything like that in that top 16 kevin you go for it. you're the rogue one if anyone's going to do it it's okay. probably you yeah well corvanite i think is legitimately just a good card um and it has more staying power than we actually expected um, so I think that's a real deck. As far as like surprise Arceus decks, I expect maybe one or two like off the wall decks. Like Waylord honestly seems pretty decent. Um, it's got an insane amount of HP, and you can play the Glimwood. It's not good. You lose to Mew probably is the problem. Oh, you also the Mew. You hit three sixty. Yeah, you just hit three heads. <laughs> um, 
but Gyarados is pretty good too. Like uh, Arceus Gyarados VMAX. I like, want it to be. It, I expect not. a couple random ones to be in day two, but I do think they're a notch below uh, the more pre- prevalent Arceus decks, and so probably they're not going to be in like top cut. Mike, do you think anything's going to show up? Any rogue partners? I. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe like two. I feel like there's going to be an Arceus deck that just plays Arceus. So just like the water version, or I don't know, like like a completely different engine, or like you're probably going to have like an Altaria engine with like an Oranguru or something, oh. or like Altaria Bibarel, and just play some jank like that. You uh, you can be lower to the ground so that you don't lose to Urshi and you can play Manaphy and Dunsparce without getting Averyed. And Why am I leaking right now? This yeah, is... I just gave us the BDIF. <laughs> this is a visionary stream of consciousness and I'm just <laughs> you can very think... modern whole thing. Guaranteed Sharon's well, care. You, you can help out of that. If you want to win the tournament, I'll write this down. <laughs> but no, um, I think... I think that is a an avenue for Arceus that is probably uh, the road less traveled. Um, I think I heard some murmurings of somebody saying Arceus Delmise at the end of the tournament <laughs> last time. I don't want to hype that person up, but maybe uh, maybe it's time to pull that guy out. Two forty is good. Sniping is technically good if people take their manaphies out. Fire weakness is good. Fire weakness is good, yeah. and I mean you're hitting all the dark guys for for a lot. Yeah, it can make day two for sure, no question. It it could <laughs> if there's a thousand people. Plus enthusiastic <laughs> endorsement from Mike. <laughs> hey man, Professor Poke asks: Is Hoopa V needed to beat Urshifu for Arceus decks, or does Manaphy Dunsparce do it? Somebody. There's this cool card. There's this cool card they put in their decks and they play two of. Uh, I think it's called Avery. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, if if your your dream board state, I guess against uh, Urshi is uh, Arceus, Arceus, Sobble, Sobble, Dutsparce, Manaphy. That seems bad. Then you just get Avery, and you're gonna get rid of one of your Sobbles. That, that literally makes no sense. That's while having to big charm the Dunspar so it doesn't get Yoga Loop. That's also bad. <laughs> like, why? Your Dunsparce now has 90 HP. They could just shoot at it forever. I mean, you're not going to pick it up. Bro, Dunspar's too thick. I don't know, bro. I, I, there's, there's some of you guys who are dangerous out there, and you're probably going to Sharon's care. You were done sparse. <laughs> I, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> but to the, but to the, all of you sane people, it's all these sane people, people with souls, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Kevin, are you playing all three or no? So my approach has been just play the Hoopa because it's a decent utility attacker and um, it hits this card called new VMAX for weakness. So it's not a bad thing to have around. And 
if you play a really aggressive build with lots of professors research, you can get your Hoopa set up really fast, reliably. And then that is a lot of pressure for them to deal with. And if you don't put any easy yoga loop targets down, then, you know, you're actually in decent shape with just the Hoopa, um, in my experience. But I haven't played a ton of games against Urshi or tested against what I'd call, like, the tippy-top tier of Urshi players. Like, I wouldn't expect to be toured with just uh, um just a hoop of V, but for the more aggressive build of the Arceus deck, it's been fine because you can put on so much pressure and then you have search outs for your boss's orders. Um, so, like, they just can't really use um, Urshifu and their dark stuff is good, but if they fall too far behind, then they can't, um, you know, keep up in the prize race and they can't one-shot a Corviknight VMAX late game because it's immune to abilities. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's an ability. It's, it's, it's pretty good, actually, for that specific matchup. In, yeah, it's a built-in... Uh, what's that? Uh, stealthy Hood. It's got, mm. it's got Stealthy Hood as an ability. Just don't put your own path down ever against Urshi because it turns <laughs> off Hoopa's ability and Corviknight. So just, <laughs> you just discard it ASAP. It's never good. Cora asks, who is your favorite evolution? Go for it, Mike. I'm Brian. Yeah. That's acceptable. It, it's the only one. The only <laughs> one? Are the, the rest are trash? Oh, man. Um, I'm partial to Leafeon and Glaceon. Everybody else is mid. I played Jolteon. I played I played Jolteon a lot actually. If you're talking the Pokemon card, I played Jolteon EX. I played Jolteon GX. I played Jolteon uh, V Max, and I played and I played Bad Jolteon, the one where you attach Memory Capsule. I played all those. Correct <laughs> description. <laughs> it's it's unfortunately so bad. I, I don't know what set it is from, but it's it's a bad one. Vivid Voltage. <laughs> Bro, the card had so much potential, and it was just like. You gotta play this card that does nothing for any other cards in your deck. <laughs> it's for anyone listening. Why didn't we bring up Jolteon Memory Capsule? It's not. It's not the move. If someone does well with it, I will be so excited. I want to be proven wrong. It's not it. It's not at all it. Kevin, it what's your? It's yes. Um, that's a tough question. I I think back to I play the video games a lot as a kid. In uh, Jolteon, you teach at Thunderbolt. It just it wrecks a lot of things, man. Really fast and aggressive. And then in Gold version, the Espeon, you teach at Psychic, and it's also really fast and does a lot of damage. Uh, as an adult, and I've gone back and replayed the games, uh, Umbreon as a tank is like absolutely insane. Like it's crazy defensive stats, and then you have the move pool of like Toxic Protect to some other double team. Like you just beat literally anybody with that. Um, so it's a cool one, but I guess if I had to pick one, probably the Jolteon for nostalgia. The new ones are cool. I like them too, but I didn't really play those Game Boy games. So, See? This guy, he's a man of culture. <laughs> I'm a Vaporeon fan. You're also a Magikarp fan. Yeah. Anything water type, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> Um, I can dig it sticking to his guns. Mr. Darth Bean asks, and Kevin, I guess this one's directly for you. 
Is Corvidite still the best large VMAX for Arceus B-Barrel, or do you think there's room for something else? Uh, it's a good question. I think it's probably the best one because it has free retreat and there's no fire to counter it, and the hitting metal attacking is actually semi-relevant. Um, so the other things we've thought about, I actually tried Ice Rider, thinking it would be better against Arceus Mirror. Um, and it kind of isn't because you have to you, you you accelerate three energies, three water energies to the ice rider. You're like, sweet, this is great. But then you max lance for 250, 280 or whatever, and you have to find another water energy, which you think, oh, one more water energy. That's not too hard. But the way these decks are built is like you've got four, four, four energy split, basically. Like how are you getting that fourth energy on? It's really hard to find it because you've already taken three of them out of your deck, which is most of them. So like then you have to Melanie, but then you have you don't have the option to boss. It it doesn't work as well as I'd hoped. Uh maybe Delmise is good. What are the other ones to consider? Stonjourner doesn't do enough. Uh yeah. So if anyone has ideas, I'm open to hearing them. But Delmise and, and Ice Rider are the ones that I've given kind of serious consideration and determined they're just not as good as Corbinite. Lucario still has merit as well. It's really good in mirror. Um and it just does the same 240 basically that Corviknight does. Um, so if you want to play that, it's also very, very good. Seymour Biscuits asks, what is your pre-day one routine to make sure you are sharp for anything coming your way? So Mike, why don't you start us off? How are you getting ready for day one? So first off, I shower. Gotta shower. That is the Got best advice. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta shower. Um, and just you wake up wake up an hour and 30 minutes before you have to be at the venue, please. Because, like, you're not going to get a good shower. And if you don't, like, come on, bro. Shower, brush my teeth. Um, I don't eat until afternoon, so I usually skip breakfast. I don't recommend that for anybody. I also don't drink coffee. So, but... I do bring a water bottle. Stay hydrated for sure. Um, I also have like this superstition where I play, I treat each day as though it's a different tournament. So I resleeve before every tournament. So I resleeve before round one of day one. So I new pack of sleeves and I resleeve for round two, round one of day two. So I do that. Um, I always check in with my best friend for sure. We we get a secret handshake off before the tournament starts. <laughs> so find your best friend, get you a secret handshake. Um, also, I have a super sick playlist called my Compliments Boost playlist, and I play like one of those songs like all day long, and it's just like whatever that song is, that's the vibe for the day. You just on repeat the whole day. Oh yeah, same song. Andy Andy's song was Stick by uh Kenny Mason, Jid, and J. Cole and all the whole Dreamville people. That yeah. If you want to get pumped before you do anything, listen to that song. <laughs> There's the best advice. Kevin, what about you? Day one routine or pre-day one routines. Yeah, I, I might be the worst person to ask about this. I think I've won day one or round one. I've won it one time in my life at a major event out of like twelve tries. <laughs> yeah i think i'm one ten and one round one wow. yikes yeah and then you know the rest of the time i've 
basically never missed CP other than the 5-3-1 at EUIC because it was a small player pool. And I made four day twos now, all with losing round one every time, <laughs> uh, except for once. So uh, I'm not a morning person. I, I trade for as many night shifts as I can for my side hustle. Um, but the I, I don't know. I can't I can't can't do it in the mornings. But eventually I hit my groove and then I play well, you know, and it's usually a misplay too. So uh, that's, that's fun. What I do is shower, wear deodorant and get Starbucks <laughs> for breakfast. So do the opposite of that. If you don't, <laughs> I don't know. No, please wear deodorant. <laughs> we do not endorse <laughs> that. That was, that was a joke. Shower deodorant are mandatory regardless because you're human, you know, and then yeah, also, the, other, the other stuff, I don't, I don't have advice on how to, how to win early, but um <laughs> I enjoy also, I enjoy being there and uh, hydrating between rounds is important for me. It's part of my routine. Hydrating for sure. Also, don't forget to wear comfortable clothes because that is like the main thing about it. Like you're gonna be sitting for nine rounds if you play all nine rounds. It's a long day. You want it to be a long day. Yes. It feels bad otherwise. And last question comes from Cora. What are your favorite cards or cards you're looking out for in Astral Radiance? So now we're looking ahead to the next set. What are you most excited to play around with? Uh, Kevin, why don't you start us off? Uh, I think I haven't thought too much about it, honestly. So I don't have much to add other than what people have already been talking about. The Palkia V-Star is clearly very good. Uh, can power up the Shining Greninja or Sparkling Greninja as attacker. And it has like mini rapid flow on a basic one prize, or it's ridiculous. And it has trade for energy. So obviously that deck's going to be good. I think Turbo Dark is also just good. Um, you have both Moltres, Galarian Moltres to ramp energies and then Dark Patch. And then you just play four research. And then you can V-Star ability for double Dark Patch and just do an insane amount of damage. So um, both of those, I think, will be good. I don't know what's Tier 1, Tier 2, or whatever, but those are the ones I've thought about, basically. Mike, what about you? Um, the card that I'm looking forward to the most in next set is Trekking Shoes. Right? Right? <laughs> you got to try and sell me on that one. <laughs> that card's broken. <laughs> that card's filthy. Like <laughs> better acrobike. <laughs> For real, I was literally yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that card is broken. I I know it was not the card you were expecting, but that card is so good. <laughs> I'm bro, gonna have I, to see it to believe it. Bro, you have to read it to understand. <laughs> Judge Whistle saw play and it does nothing. Like, right? Judge Whistle was so much worse than this card. Yeah, yeah. For anyone who doesn't it, know, it trekking shoes. Look at the top card of your deck. You can put it in your hand or discard it. If you discard it, draw the next card. That card is broken. I don't. Yeah, because you don't even have the downside of Acrobike. Is you pick up two cards and you have to discard one of them. You're like, oh, worst card in the deck, right? And. It's still a great card. Like you're gonna play it, but with trekking shoes, like you don't. If you pick a good card, you're like, oh, I'll just keep it. Oh, it's a bad one. Okay, get another. Yeah. You play four, so you could dig like seven cards with items. Exactly. For good cards, and discarding things is good half the time. 
Bro, so, that card is yeah. literally plus two into your deck. At the very best. At the very You're playing worst. a 52 card deck because you can. Exactly. At, yeah. At, those cards are have always been good, where you're plusing like, like at the worst it's plus one, at the best it's plus two. I mean, it is it's a good card. I will most excited. I don't think I'd go that far. I mean, I'm sorry. I was excited about the card. <laughs> you asked me. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but um. I'm excited like to it, see you break the format with trekking trees. <laughs> Bro, I've already got this is already set. Um, to be honest, I haven't really looked at like the applications of the Pokemon cards with this set, like the actual like the Pokemon that attack. But I was more excited to look at the supporters because Roxanne is getting released and that card is filthy. The full art's gonna be filthy. Like <laughs> so I'm excited for that card. I so I can play some jank. Pokemon sent me a box, and I pulled the full art, and I'm like, all right, this is going in every single deck for sure. Like, For sure. A, it's already a good card, but B, I've got the bling. I have to use it. Oh, of course. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that card is certainly a one to two of. Has and I can't remember the name of the supporter, but uh, I think it's, it's like Cy- Cyan or... Something like that. What's it do? Uh, so it says it says flip two coins, put any two cards from your discard pile <laughs> onto into your hand. I believe it's on top, it's of, on your top deck. of your deck. It's on top of your deck. Still Bro, that card the card is nuts. <laughs> I I know it's like oh it's a burnable card for Mew or like you know it's a, I actually think in Mew there are turns where you're like I just kind of want more power tablets like you know what I mean like you don't have to boss you don't have to Elise is like I. I kind of like that card more than I should. You get a f- fusion energy back and then hit 280. That's, blood like the only, that's like the only luck factor card that I've ever been excited about. <laughs> Any other last thoughts on New Jersey regionals before we close it out? Hmm. Along the lines of? That is up to you. Hmm. I will not judge your choice like I judge the trekking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you misjudged that. <laughs> I'll let Kevin hang on to this one first. Sure. Uh, so, I guess after Indie, there were a lot of people on uh, Twitter, and I had some friends as well complain that they had been uh, faced with really unpleasant opponents that had like asked them to scoop. They had, you know, pressured them, said, "I hope you brick," things like that. Um, and I just want to that to be known in the community if there's newer players here that are you know started during the pandemic like that stuff's not legal and it should be reported to a judge um i'm not a confrontational person so i'd probably just not say anything until like between rounds like somebody has to know so they can be watched otherwise that kind of thing's just going to keep happening um and i don't know i'd like to you know build my platform have twitter and try to just be a positive influence for people so i want everyone to have a good playing experience like i'm able to have that's part of my goal as a person, you know, I'm involved in the community now, so might as well try to make the most of it. Um, so try to call out in whatever way you're comfortable with, you know, just people being unpleasant, overly competitive, um, unsportsmanlike. That's actually in the rules of the game and not all new players know that. And then same with, you know, if there's harassment or just people being jerks, um, try to deal with that and 
whatever way you see fit and be a supportive uh, voice in the, the community. That's that's all I got. For sure. I can back you 100% on that. Like, If you're asking for scoops out here, you probably don't deserve them. Mike, if the people want more of you, where can they find you? Oh, man. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok, Google+, Zynga, MySpace, um, wherever people put out content, YouTube, <laughs> uh, AOL, Messenger, <laughs> for all you old people out there. <laughs> yeah, I use AIM. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See that only we get that joke. <laughs> but... Yeah, everyone watching is like under thirty. It's like what? The heck? <laughs> but no, for real. You can find me on everywhere they put out content. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. You can even listen to me on Spotify and iTunes. Um, if you can't get enough of me, at I Mike, check out your music, man. That's sweet. Oh, I appreciate yeah, it. Music plug. <laughs> My music plug. Let's get it. Mike MRTN underscore. That's where you can find me. Kevin, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter, basically. Uh, so feel free to DM me there if you got questions, comments, whatever. Um, I'm here for you. Cool. And myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. This has been another episode of. The Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.